Greetings friends and welcome to a special bonus edition of How To Wrestling, the world's first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe finally know what the names of these shows are because Joe keeps getting confused. You're tweeting about them wrong. Tweeting about them wrong. I mean, I, I did have a little titter when he said, I hope you're all ready for our Smackdown review, and it was SummerSlam. Shut up. I was like, ah, that's very funny, but then I was like, oh no, seriously, you do need to change that, because that is wrong. <laughs> yeah, we got a couple of people going, hang on, I thought it was the other one, and I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. And it's, it's always dreadfully confusing when one of the first shows you watched was SummerSlam, which you kept referring to, and one of the first shows you watched was SmackDown. And thinking Brock Lesnar was on SmackDown, and so many fans would be like, "Brock Lesnar would never appear on SmackDown, <laughs> Joe." Okay, it's a B show. It's not. It's not an important event. He's not contracted to be. Yeah. It's been difficult, a real difficult one for you, knowing the names of the shows. That's why we're doing this now. I mean, I've had to request it. It's getting to the point where it's just silly that I can't, I don't know what they are. <laughs> what is it about the names of the shows that maybe makes it different, there's or like, makes it difficult, I should say? Well, there's so many of them, and they're all called really similar things. Like, oh, come on, right, okay, no one's allowed to judge me for getting Smackdown and SummerSlam and all those other things like that confused. <laughs> well, you have to at least admit that SummerSlam obviously has to be the okay, context in the summer. specific. You wouldn't have yeah. a weekly show called SummerSlam. Okay, probably not. You know? But, and also there's like the difference between the pay-per-views and the like day, not daily, the weekly. The weekly shows. The weekly shows. Yeah. Well, the idea of this one is that hopefully we're going to go through and know what the weekly shows are. And then we'll quickly zip through what the main pay-per-views are in the yearly in the yearly schedule for WWE. These obviously all appear on the WWE Network, all these pay-per-views. Right. And I think we might as well just talk about them so you know what generally happens. There's generally a theme as to what happens at certain shows. And obviously there's, some shows are bigger than other ones. I mean, obviously you know that WrestleMania is... Is that the biggest one? Yeah, WrestleMania is the biggest one. It was at one point referred to as being the granddaddy of them all until Vince McMahon sent a memo around saying that he didn't like the term granddaddy of them all because he thought it made it sound old. <laughs> <laughs> now, this may or may not have been around the time Vince McMahon actually became a shoot granddad himself. Oh, man. Granddad, what the hell? Shut up. <laughs> it's like those parents who hate being called mum and dad makes them feel old so it's just call me by my first name yeah it's like you know the the commentators are there like on a welcome to the granddaddy of them all and amidst a sea of 80,000 people you see Vince McMahon waving his hand back and forth going cut that out stop Sh I'm, <laughs> no I'm, I'm not 70 I'm uh, 65 yeah that's <laughs> it so the background of this one I mean do you know like why there are pay-per-views or do you even know what a pay-per-view is <laughs> I mean, why it's even called pay-per-view Okay, it's something that I think you've told me this before and it just didn't like, I don't know, it doesn't sink in for some reason. Okay, pay-per-views. Yeah. They aren't shown on TV, or they are. One of them is and the other one isn't. Okay, well, think, well if you break up the word... Pay-per-view. Pay so I'm guessing they're not on... They're not on TV. No, it's, it's a viewing which you would... You have to subscribe or something? Some would say it's almost like a viewing that you have to pay each time you view it so pay per view so where do you pay to view the shows you see it's quite funny because i think the this is the real interesting one for you because obviously you've just become a fan when the network is just like yeah. a thing and it's accepted 
because you know we pay monthly for an undisclosed fee. The the WWE Network. I, the yeah, number, we don't pay per view. We don't pay per view. We pay per month. It's yeah. PPM now. But there are events on that which wrestling fans still refer to as being pay per views because back when I was a kid growing up. I mean, some of the pay-per-views were given away for free in the UK, but in America... And when you say given away for free, you mean they were on TV? Yeah, they're on, like, Sky Sports or whatever. Okay. So a premium package or sometimes Channel 4 if you're very lucky. But in America, you'd have to pay for every one of these shows. So it's a monthly show. It's actually a big show. Usually the storylines on TV are building to the big this monthly event. And if you want to watch this event you would have to like ring up you know a number you have to ring crack. up a number well, this is back in the day before internet what you have to ring them up and say yeah i want you know i want to buy uh fast lane or valentine's day massacre or whatever it was and you would pay 40 or 50 dollars or whatever it was and then they would you have a special pay-per-view channel on your on your box office uh, sky thing or whatever and you would get the show and then you could watch it then and so how long has that been running until then? Is that still going on now? The funny thing is, is with the network, where it now, for an undisclosed fee, you get all those shows included with this monthly fee. Yeah. That no longer seems, like, relevant, because yeah. you're paying for around four or five months the cost of the network to watch one show. And you still can do that. You still can do that, but there's maybe a few less pay-per-view providers in the world before, and obviously the majority of the people now are watching them via the network. So WWE originally would have gotten a lot of its money through this pay-per-view model, which is monthly someone's going to pay you know a premium to watch this big show, mm. and that's how they would make the main amount of their money. Now the main way they make their money is monthly subscriptions to the network. So it's a complete shift in the business model, but we're still using these old, old terms. We're still saying it's a pay-per-view, even though... It's not a pay-per-view. They're not meant to be building towards a show at the end of the month you want to watch. They're going to make you want to subscribe to the network. That's what their goal is now. I see. So when you were watching wrestling in your boarding school with your group of boyfriends... Friends who are boys. Yeah, sure, whatever. It's not gay, it's wrestling, okay? Well, either way. Does that mean that you all chipped together and bought the pay-per-view? I mean, I, I say this now as someone who grew up... I mean, I, I painted you a very bleak picture there. I'm like, <laughs> oh, and we had to ring up a number and pay. There was a real sweetheart deal that was cut for those of us in the UK, which was that if you had Sky, you got, like, usually... 10 of the 12 pay-per-views for free. Oh. Now, as years went on, that number completely fluctuated. But when height of the Attitude Era, when it was cool, when I was watching, you got all of them for free. Then a few years later than that, it was like you paid for two, but they were the two shit ones. And you still got like WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble. Then mid to late 2000s, it became, right, you had to pay for WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble, but you got all the other ones free. And then it just became, you had to pay for all of them. But in America... You had to pay for all of them always. Wow. But the concession was that in America, if you're watching a pay-per-view live, you have to stay up until 7 p.m. at night. In fucking England and Ireland, we had to stay up until 1 a.m. Yeah. To start watching a three-hour show. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying for that privilege, okay? You should be thankful as a fan I'm doing that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but do you know, like, how... Like, what else like pay-per-view was used for in sports or things like that? I imagine it's used generally in sports for big shows, big matches yeah like probably boxing. even football or something it doesn't really, i don't think they really do it for football that no. much i mean football is still mostly shown free i mean like i think there are some matches which you have to be a part of a paid service for yeah but like big boxing matches big mma matches all of that would still 
mainly be on on pay-per-view right well what's interesting is that one of the reasons why we talked about vince originally in our first episode how he managed to take over yeah almost completely and kind of revolutionize wrestling and make a lot more money out of it one of the reasons he was able to do that was that he knew this thing was coming called pay-per-view and vince mcmahon invested heavily in pay-per-view in the early 80s before it was even a thing right and he was like adamant that people would pay to watch the show and he was very right the first wrestlemania for instance there was no pay-per-view it didn't exist as a concept but in the first wrestlemania vince mcmahon hired out loads of cinemas and they showed it live so people would pay to go to the cinema and watch the wrestling live now in some ways it was a disaster but the the actual theory behind it of people paying for the special wrestling event that you've built up to with free TV. Yeah. That was still there, you know? Yeah. So, and that's one of the reasons Vince McMahon was like considered to be like one of the heavyweights of like pay-per-views. It was like, it was boxing and wrestling in the eighties. Cause they would get like hundreds of thousands of people would buy these pay-per-views. A few WrestleManias have had over a million pay-per-view buys worldwide. Wow. The WrestleMania with Donald Trump is like the record. It's 1.3 million buys. There was a WrestleMania with Donald Trump. Oh, yes. Save that for another... I think a how-to Trump closer to the uh, Republican presidential nomination (laughs) maybe might be a good one. But Trump has been involved in wrestling a few times. Of course, you know about that, about Paul Hogan pleading with him. Well, I just thought it was a bit random. I thought it was just a (laughs) name out of the air. I didn't realise he was involved. Uh, Donald Trump, I don't know anyone (laughs) yeah anyone but yeah pay-per-views the idea has always been and i'm saying this in kind of like a this is how it's meant to be it's meant to be every week on on the weekly shows you're building towards the pay-per-view the storyline should either culminate at the pay-per-view or have a kind of a big moment of development at the pay-per-view now that doesn't always happen Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they might just do like some a lazy ending on a pay per view, or you know, you don't get the conclusion to the storyline, or right. So it's it, they're not they don't necessarily serve the purpose that they're meant to. But there's twelve pay per views in a year, once a month. Okay, we'll go through the main ones shortly. But just to nail down, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, okay, NXT main event, those shows, those are the weekly shows. Right. Which are shown on either TV or the network. Those aren't pay-per-views. Okay. Monday Night Raw. Yeah. SmackDown. When's that one then? SmackDown's on uh, Thursday nights. Okay. But SmackDown's pretty irrelevant, to be honest. Okay. At the moment. It's just filler as it stands. Right. But the main show, the weekly main show is is Monday Monday Night Night Raw. Raw. And you've watched that obviously a few times. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, it was great after the SummerSlam one yeah exactly and raw is what you usually find a lot of the time now is that the pay-per-views maybe aren't the big events but sometimes the raws after the pay-per-views now seem like the bigger events because people hear what's happened on the pay-per-view so they turn on the free tv to see what happened and then they that's how they try and surprise them it's it's kind of weird but just so you know yeah, those are the main weekly shows mm-hmm. raw which is monday nights and that's been going since the, the early 90s Smackdown, which is on Thursdays. And then you have like NXT and stuff like that as well. Sam Chaplin, other host of Cinema Swirl, was trying to help me remember them, all the different names for the shows. And uh, he tweeted in saying, During the week, the wrestlers smack each other down, and then as a special treat in the summer, they slam each other. <laughs> for fuck's sake. Then he said, By Monday, their bodies always hurt. How's your knee feeling? A bit Monday night raw. All right, that works as like... Because it's the night after the pay-per-view, yeah. yeah. 
But um, Raw's not just always the night after the paper. It's every week, you see. Right. So, okay. Yeah. During Survivor Series, wrestlers sit around and watch a whole series of reality show Survivor. It's a bit like Gogglebox. That is not entirely accurate. No? <laughs> and obviously at TLC, the wrestlers just look after each other and it's really cute. No, that's seriously not, <laughs> definitely not accurate. They're the total opposite. God damn it, accurate. Sam Chaplin. So, Sam, you, I'll give you, you're, you're one in four there, okay? There was, a solid, there was a solid hit. I thought they were great. And the rest of those went sailing by. <laughs> the weekly shows then, I mean, every week those are happening. Okay, Raw is three hours, which is... For me, that's insane because... Yeah, it's every week. I mean, well, yeah, what, it's every week it's three hours, and three hours is, like, that's how long the pay-per-view is meant to be, you know? But on so, the pay-per-view is, like, four and a half hours or something. Yeah, SummerSlam was, was, SummerSlam was four hours long this year, but that was, like, a big deal they made out of it. Like, it was a promotional thing. Like, it's four hours long. But WrestleMania 20, that was five hours long. Uh. So there are some shows, usually the big one, like WrestleMania, and now it seems SummerSlam can be an exception to the rule, but... By and large, the pay-per-views are meant to be three hours long. Okay. So, but that's kind of weird building to a me- what's meant to be a big show. That's the same length of time as the yeah, weekly show. They should cut down Raw a bit. Yeah. I'd love if it was two hours, but I just don't think it's going to happen. It's weird because like, on the one hand, I feel there's not enough time for them to develop like all the various different wrestlers and stuff and all the gimmicks and storylines and expand on them. But then also it seems to just go on forever. They managed to do less in three hours than they used to do in two. I, I feel there's a lot more going on in NXT <laughs> in one hour than there is in... There's a sense of urgency, I think. That means that like when someone appears on screen, it has to be relevant. What's it do with the storyline? Yeah. We're moving it forward. As opposed to three hours, it's like, well, Seth will probably be out three or four times tonight, so... You know, they, they kind of, yeah. it's not as urgent. And when it's not urgent, then it's not everything that's going to happen is going to be the best it can be. Because, all right, that segment was pretty crap with John, but we're going to see him three times in the, later this hour. So Ugh. he can improve on that, I guess. Whereas back in the Attitude Era, when Raw was, you know, just under two hours, you would see Steve Austin once. And that would be for five or ten minutes, maybe. Right. And it would fucking count. Because everyone would turn over immediately to see what was happening during those that sounds five way or ten better. minutes. It does, but I think the problem with it is is that they make... I think they got a sweet deal with their network where it was, right, if you have a third hour, you'll get this much more money. Mm-hmm. And the show costs a lot to produce. And I think the cost of doing an extra hour was so much lower than the money they were going to make from advertising. Mm. Because you hear like both Triple H and Vince McMahon, who would be the two men who have the say-so at the moment in WWE. I've heard both of them in interviews saying, yeah, maybe it is a bit too long, but we can do. Right. So it's like, there's some evil monster with his finger on the button who <laughs> has three hours and <laughs> someone stop him. <laughs> Save us. Now, pay-per-views, there's generally 12 in a year, as I've said, which is nice for me to say because there was at one point in the mid-2000s where there was 15 in a year. Well, that's really complicated. How do you remember, at least this is once a month, how do you remember 15? There used to be, like, different brands. So Raw and SmackDown, it wasn't just the main roster. Raw would have a roster and SmackDown would have a roster with different wrestlers and different champions. Right. So there'd be two world champions, two sets of tag champions... Two women's champions, even. So that that was the way for a while because they had such a big roster. So sometimes those guys would double over and you'd have extra shows. Oh, I see. But I never think, like, we next join you on pay-per-view in three days from now. <laughs> for fuck's sake, guys. And 
you know, I think someone once worked it out during that period, and it wasn't WWE's best period, the mid-2000s, whereas, like, if you paid for the HD stream of every pay-per-view in America, you were basically paying, like, three or four hundred dollars. Wow. And you can, it's not as if you've got them in your DVD collection for the rest of your life. It's like once the, the day after, the two or three days after that pay-per-view, you lose access to it. Oh, my it. God, seriously? Oh, yeah, it was just, like, a channel that would play for, like... A week, maybe, you know, a couple of days, and then that would be it. So, how much would people pay for, like, one pay-per-view? $50. For what? Just to see a show? Just for a regular show. And it actually, it went up, because I remember WrestleMania, they started charging more for, and then there was the HD stream. WrestleMania 31 this year, even though you could have watched it on the network, the suggested retail price from WWE was $60. Wow. But generally, the pay-per-view providers would add a an extra charge on top of that so it'll probably be more closer to $70 surely that costs more than a ticket to go see it in person well to go see it in person I mean to get like just like an entry level regular crappy seat there you know because you know, Wrestlemania has a lot of people would buy the good tickets straight away but yeah. yeah for $80 or $70 you could probably get in there wow which is funny to think <laughs> that's absolutely ridiculous and to think that over a million people paid that yeah so yeah, back in that one time that over a million people bought it, yeah, they would have been paying 40 or $50. So that's a lot of money. That's ridiculous. You no get, wonder they're so rich. Yeah, they've made a lot of money out of pay-per-views. But I think, you know, online piracy, you know, people just finding out the results online and it being uploaded the next day. The last few years before the network came out, the pay-per-views... Well, that's the thing. I remember yeah. when we first started dating, the network wasn't available in the UK yet. Yeah. And I remember how difficult it was trying to find any wrestling online. If you're someone like me who just simply, out of principle, does not want to have TV, so he does not pay for a TV license, <laughs> then yes, it was very, very difficult to actually watch. We would try and watch them live in the local sports bar wow. where we were, because that was the easiest way to watch them. But like yeah, it was it was kind of ridiculous when you think about it. It's like the the difficulty to get some of those shows, and I mean, they were. It's smart, I think, to do something like the network, I guess, because if people are willing to pay for your to support you or whatever, and it's a decent enough service and it's a low enough price, they'll do that instead of pirating. Yeah. But if it's like sixty dollars or seventy dollars to watch a pay per view, so many people are gonna. Like, yeah, well, crazy. I'm not going to pay sixty dollars, but I might pay the undisclosed monthly agreement. Like, yeah, that 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 seems much more reasonable, yeah. I guess. But I mean, because I just remember I have had friends in bands, and they were I, they would show me a number. I'm like, whoa, what's that? Is that how much your album sold? I go, no, that's the illegal downloads of our album. That one there with the zero less. That's how many albums we sold. Wow. So obviously with WWE, I mean. You could just pop on a torrent site now or whatever and you could probably see millions of people downloading the, the show instead. So right. the network's a much smarter way because the, the pay-per-views are way too pricey. But we've got 12 pay-per-views in a year, each one more important than the last, they'd have you believe. But in actuality, there's maybe four really important ones. The rest are kind of window dressing, you could say. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the ones I know off the top of my head. Because we refer to the big four. Right. There's four big shows that kind of dot the calendar year. Okay, let's see if I know them. Okay. Royal Rumble. Yeah, Royal Rumble, which would happen in January, the start of the year. WrestleMania. Yes, usually March slash early April. SummerSlam. Yes, in August. 
and tables, ladders, chairs. Oh no, very close. No? The one the month before, Survivor Series. Oh. In November. Damn. But that being said, Survivor Series hasn't been very relevant for the last like six years. So you're, oh, you're forgiven I'm for forgiven. thinking TLC oh, is a bigger one. I'm still allowed in the wrestling community. You're still like... Your card hasn't been revoked just yet, <laughs> madam, okay? So yes, Joe mentioned the big four there, and usually the other pay-per-views should try to be building towards these big four, okay? And mm. usually WWE as well, like they will sacrifice the quality of other shows to improve the quality of those the big four. Okay. And the big four is usually if there's going to be someone like The Rock appearing or Brock Lesnar, you know, like kind of a big super name, they would generally would appear for a, one of those big four pay-per-views as opposed to the other ones. Makes sense. Makes they're, sense. A, they're a draw, is it? Hey, is that yeah, a, exactly. A, yeah. Big draw. So, Royal Rumble, obviously happening in January, is the first pay-per-view of the year, and it's a very, very important one as well, because it helps build towards WrestleMania, and it's something which I think we'll, we'll cover our own Royal Rumble episode, I think, at some point, so Joe's more familiar with them. But the Royal Rumble itself has got a really cool built-in concept. Every year, the main event of the Royal Rumble has always been the same. It's a 30-man battle royale to decide who goes to WrestleMania to challenge for the belt. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I remember this a bit because they always show, like, a flashback or whatever in WrestleMania. Like, here's what you missed on whatever it is, Royal Rumble. Here's when Roman Reigns got booed and we pretend it didn't happen at the Royal Rumble. (laughs) It seems really chaotic. It is, because you start off with two people... And then every like minute or two, another person comes out, and then another until then all thirty have gotten in the ring. And how are you supposed to watch the wrestling when there's thirty wrestling going because on? Because people get thrown out, you get eliminated by being thrown over the top rope. So you don't have to pin them or submit them. You literally just have to throw them out of the ring. Okay. So usually people are being thrown out as people are coming in. It will usually that fill up at a point. That sounds so confusing. No, it's not. It's just like, you know, you get eliminated, but then every two minutes someone's coming out. So the fighting is happening in the ring. There's people constantly joining, but at the same time there's people being I'd lose track. Yeah, you usually can kind of lose track, but they're usually quite good at pointing out, kind of going, oh, he's been eliminated, or the big move will be the person being eliminated. So you should usually be able to, to see what's happening in those. But there's so many cool stories you can tell in that, because the the classic one they would do, which is you know, the, the underdog who wants, has to get the match at WrestleMania, or there's no chance he'll get it normally, so he enters the Royal Rumble, which everyone can be a part of, and he's a, he enters, like, right at the start, say, you know, number one and number two, so there's 28 other guys who have to come out before he could win the match, and that's always really cool, because it, he's in there for, like, an hour, and the other guy... An hour? Is that yeah, how it is? It can, it's usually around an hour. And then you get the guy coming out right at the end, he's number 30, he's like just, you know, he's just straight out of the locker room, he's all fresh as a daisy against the the guy who's been in there for like an hour, absolutely, you know, exhausted. And there's so many cool stories you can tell in the Royal Rumble as a result. I mean, it sounds really dull, but I'm sure it isn't. It must be fun. It can be very dull if it's predictable. And this year, when everyone was booing Roman Reigns, as we mentioned, that was a case of the entire crowd sniffing out what was going to happen not liking it, and then just folding their arms going, well, fuck this. Then. <laughs> At their best, the Royal Rumble can be somewhat, um, even if 
you have a good idea who's going to win. It can be used as a really unpredictable way of bringing people back, like returning characters, like cameo appearances. Like mm. Drew Carey appeared in the Royal Rumble once. Drew you know? Carey, the comedian. Yeah, the comedian. Or like there was one time at the Royal Rumble where Mick Foley entered, but he entered three times as each of his alter oh, egos. Wow. He kept being thrown in and coming back in with a different shirt and different music. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm coming in, baby, you know? So there's an opportunity to kind of showcase everyone, really, because cool. when that person's music hits and they come in, they'll usually have a minute or two of a flurry where you think, oh, they might just win it. And it's a cool, it's a cool concept. And it's one that's been going for over 20 years. So it tends to work quite well. And obviously it always builds to, to WrestleMania. The pay-per-view after that is been changed around a few times recently. It used to be No Way Out, and it was just kind of, this is the one before WrestleMania. Let's settle any loose ends up before WrestleMania. Then it became another pay-per-view. Now it's called Fastlane, and has Fast seemingly Lane. no defining characteristics other than a vague speedometer graphic. <laughs> I swear I've never heard of this. Fastlane. Fast Lane. Do they race? I'll be honest, when I saw the pay-per-view poster for Fastlane, which was literally Randy Orton with his hand out. Did he have like a go faster stripe on his side? <laughs> it was like, Randy Orton was hand out and like a needle kind of going Fastlane, like, like oh, that's, that's kind of, it's, it's fast or whatever. And I just thought, is this a movie with Randy yeah. Orton? Because Fastlane really sounds like a movie they would make. <laughs> I don't understand, is being fast in wrestling good? Not necessarily. And it's as if it's the one night of the year when things are a little bit... Faster. WWE Fastlane. The lane you use for when you want to speed. <laughs> so what are the matches? Shorter? No, nope, nothing about it. Nothing is different. No, nope, nothing different. unnecessary branding. And it's weird because it used to be, back in the days of the Attitude Era, where most of the pay-per-view names that weren't the big four were just named shows like No Mercy or Unforgiven yeah. or Armageddon. And they would say things like, Joanna Graham, this Sunday, you will get no mercy from me in the steel cage match. Ah. Or like, your sins will be unforgiven. It's on pay-per-view this Sunday. <coughs> Check it out. Buy it. It's only $90 on pay-per-view. <laughs> and, but then they went the way of, right, themed pay-per-views. Every pay-per-view has to have a gimmick. So you got, it was like, this month, it's Fatal 4-Way. Every match is a Fatal 4-Way where there's four wrestlers facing off. Okay. Or Breaking Point, where every match is a submission match, even though we've got no submission wrestlers on the roster. Cody Rhodes and Triple H in a submission match, because I don't know. What is a submission wrestler? A submission wrestler will be someone like maybe um, Daniel Bryan, or you know, someone who uses a submission hold to make his opponent tap out. Oh, okay. So a lot of wrestlers obviously have a submission hold. Sasha Banks, obviously, someone who uses a submission maneuver. She would like to make her opponent tap out to, to win the match. So. Okay. So yeah, they went big on the, the gimmicked pay-per-views. Did they just forget Fastlane? Did they just leave it behind? Like, Oops, forgot about that one. They basically then, what happened was, it seemed they looked at the ones that they thought were decent hanging on to the gimmick shows. They kept those and then replaced the remaining ones with the most banal, randomly named shows ever. Hence, WWE Fastlane. It's like they were originally going to have them all in like roller skates or like roller blades or something and then they forgot to add that at the end. They were like, oh yeah, it's still called Fastlane. It, it really felt like there was five or six pay-per-views to fill up 
and they had a list of just random hypothetical pay-per-view names that yeah. they could use and this was one of them and I think that will be something we will say more than once Is whoever was responsible for naming Fastlane also responsible for Fang McFrost? Possibly Chili McFreeze at it again you know <laughs> And I will say this is correct as of September 2015. WWE always change names of shows with the exception of the big four. Obviously, those are kind of ingrained. But they always change the names of shows. They change the placement of shows. You know, a show that might have been originally in February is now in October. That kind of thing. Is so, WrestleMania always the same time? Well, of WrestleMania year? is always March or April. Okay. So always, always. And Rumble, always January. SummerSlam, always August. And Survivor Series, always November. Hmm. So then we get to March, and it's WrestleMania. And WrestleMania, we've spoken about a number of times. And we've watched a number of WrestleMania matches for, kind of, or, or matches we review for the wrestlers. Yeah. Because it's generally the biggest show of the year. You get huge matches, like Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg, where they do nothing. <laughs> where they hug. Yeah. And people boo, you know. <laughs> what have been your thoughts of watching WrestleMania so far? Because obviously WrestleMania, biggest show of the year... Always the biggest arena, it would seem. You're usually in front of tens of thousands of people. Out of all the shows I've watched, my favourites have always been WrestleMania. I say always as though I've seen loads of them. I think I've seen two WrestleManias. You've seen 30 and... You've seen seen 31 and most of 30. Yeah. But I think WrestleMania 31 this year was the first show I remember you genuinely loving from start to finish. Yeah, exactly. And we live tweeted it as well, which was really fun. Definitely. Um, It was just really silly this year, though, because it was in broad daylight, obviously. (laughs) And then you had like The Undertaker and Bray Wyatt, who had very dark kind of entrances it didn't really work it didn't really work but it was really fun and it was like a huge amount of variation and there was i loved all the big expensive gimmicks like arnold schwarzenegger being there and and the big fireworks and stuff like that yeah i do like the fact that there's kind of a little bit of a spectacle and Mm. even if the storylines don't necessarily get paid off the way that you think they should i mean originally wrestlemania was like this is it season finale you know this is the end of this feud but usually now, you always have the rematches and they go back to it. But even if you don't get that, the hype, the pageantry, yeah. you know, the, the sets, you know. Yeah, a lot more effort seems to go into everything. The costumes are more elaborate for it. The the set's all better. The crowd is always usually, yeah. it's like the best, the biggest collection of most passionate fans in the world all descend upon wherever WrestleMania is. It's always cool looking back at the different years. You can kind of, it's a barometer of how well the company is doing kind of overall looking at the WrestleMania that year, just even in terms of the size of the crowd. I mean, if you look back in the dark ages of, remember when we watched Brett and Steve Austin in that I Quit match? Oh, yeah. That was a WrestleMania. Oh, my God. WrestleMania yeah, 13. Yeah, of course, yeah. And it was such a regular-ass-looking show, just, you know, little hexagonal screen. That's so odd to think about compared to WrestleMania this year. And other than the match quality, nothing about it screamed WrestleMania. Whereas this year, you know, you had a big elaborate set, you had fucking jets flying over, you know, fireworks going around yeah. the roof of the stadium, 80,000 people, you know? What are your thoughts, though? I'd like to know, because this is a big thing that people have with WrestleMania, if it should be indoors or outdoors. Because Vince is of the opinion that it has to be outdoors now, because it has to be a big outdoor spectacle. I like it indoors, though, sometimes, because I think if it's indoors, there's a roof on the place, it sounds louder, and even though if there's fewer people there, I think it's a lot more electric. I think if they're going to have it outdoors, it should be at night. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Well, because it was so weird having it in daytime. Like, yeah. It takes away a lot of the 
atmosphere. I mean, seeing the people at the WrestleMania that was in New Jersey in March mm. the other year, and I mean, I went to WrestleMania, I didn't wear no goddamn winter coat when I was doing it. I was sucking down ice water and beers just to not burst into flames because it was so <laughs> warm, you know? But yeah, I don't know, the outsides, it's a bit of a coin flip because if it's outdoors and there's no roof on the place the reactions can maybe sometimes be lost a little That's bit. That's true, yeah. And I've heard tale of the wrestlers in the ring. They're like, are we doing something wrong? Because it, it, they think they can't hear anything because it's so quiet. Yeah. That's really like quite funny. No, that's a good point. But I can understand as well them wanting to sell more seats. Yeah, that's true. So, hmm, I don't know. It's it's a bit of a. I think this can be a happy medium. Yeah. The WrestleMania I went to, there was seventy thousand people there, and there was a roof on the place. Oh well, there you go. So I mean, there's got to be a few more of those, you know. Yeah. No jets, obviously, but (laughs) (laughs) you make do. So yes, WrestleMania always a big spectacle, and. People always tend to get really pissed off if the WrestleMania doesn't turn out like they wanted it to. Like, if WrestleMania is bad, that's going to make everyone kind of say wrestling is bad at the moment. Yeah, okay. People associate the two. WrestleMania, a lot of people, the perception of the product is really down to how people buy into the show. And I think wrestling's in a happy place at the moment because people loved WrestleMania 31. They really, really loved it. Yeah, it was really good. And they thought they'd hate it as well. Yeah. That's what I like most of it. And the same thing happened the year before. Really? We all thought we'd hate WrestleMania 30 and we all loved it. So there you go. It shows. Interesting how that works out. After WrestleMania, we have a show that's called WWE Extreme Rules. It's the one night of the year where WWE goes... Extreme. So this is the one, I think I've heard of this, they were allowed weapons? Yes. So usually the matches will be what we call like gimmick matches. There'll be like no disqualifications or it's going to be like a street fight or a cage match or last man standing or some big kind of spectacle match. Every match has to follow some... You can't just have a regular one-on-one match at Extreme Rules. It has to have some sort of tweak to it. Okay, to make it outlandish or yes. extreme now Extreme Rules had a different name before it was WWE Extreme Rules it was a summer pay-per-view that was called WWE One Night Stands oh okay and before it was WWE One Night Stand a couple of years before that it was actually called ECW One Night Stands oh. and what actually you watch when you see Extreme Rules now is an incredibly warped watered down version of what originally was the ECW reunion show the one that we, you and I watched for John Cena and Rob Van Dam. Huh. So that's kind of where the extreme rules came from. That kind of makes sense, though. Because yeah. ECW is more kind of extreme, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. ECW's whole thing was that it was, you know, meant to be no disqualifications. All the matches are hardcore. And so they were like that all the time. They were like that all the time. Mm. And it's kind of funny because, yeah, originally ECW reunion shows, it had two of those. And then it was like, right, now we have all these brands so let's just make it WWE one night stand which made no sense because the idea of it being one night stand was that ECW came back for one night yeah because ECW was kind of greasy and gritty it was like it's a one night stand you know we'll never speak of it again you right. know that was the whole thing a one night stand is not a yearly arrangement yeah okay? <laughs> so I'm happy it's called extreme rules now you know yeah no that makes a lot more sense after that, we've got another pay-per-view, which definitely falls into the the category of Randy Orton with his hand out in front of it and could have been a pay-per-view name or maybe a movie name. As a matter of fact, 
I'm so unsure now whether the fast lane poster was Randy Orton going like that with his handout or if it's actually payback. I think it might be payback. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> payback, yeah, it's again, it's just another another named pay-per-view. There's nothing special about it as it stands. No identity, really, which is kind of sad when I think about it. There's two of those so close together. Yeah, that's... What a waste. So I'm guessing no one's favourite show is Payback or Fastlane. I'd be very, very surprised if anyone's favourite show was Payback or Fastlane. So it's the only reason they even do them, just to make money? It's to, it's just to have a monthly show, really, you know? And I think the idea was, it's just they, they give it any old name, I guess, is their idea, you know? Because... It just seems a shame they haven't done something with it. What I don't like as well, and something I think you're maybe missing out on being a new fan when we watch these shows, have you ever noticed what the sets look like? Not particularly, unless they're partic- unless they're really outlandish. I mean, obviously, WrestleMania is a big fancy yeah. set, but do you remember what the Extreme Rules set looked like? Because we did watch the show. Uh, from what I remember, it was just a ring. Yeah. And then there were like two tiers of seating. Yeah. That's all I remember. But the actual like stage itself where the big screen is and all that... I don't remember there being yeah. a screen. There probably was. <laughs> now, when, during the heyday of uh, of pay-per-views, when each one kind of was tried to be given like kind of a, a a bit of an identity, at least, one of the big parts of that was that the stage and the ramp and all the setup would have a specific, unique look and would be designed to look a certain way to reflect what the show was. That's cool. So, like, I mean, we're doing ones in the attitude at the moment where, like, they had a show, the Royal Rumble, and the theme was like, you know, there was like a taxi cab hanging above the ring, and it was all like streets and like spray paint and trash wow. cans and stuff. Or there was like one which was Armageddon and it had like a post apocalyptic thing where there was like a crashed helicopter. God. There's even one year they did it for Armageddon, there was like a, it was like a big giant castle. Or New Year's Revolution where it was a big dragon and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Favourite one ever, Unforgiven 2001, the logo for it was Steve Austin with three screaming faces coming out the side of him, spinning around really fast. Fucking hell. Because Steve Austin had gone mad. It's just head spinning around going, what? <laughs> that sounds like the best, like, crappy ride at a horror, like, amusement park See, ever. See if you can hold on to a greased up Steve Austin head as it's mm. spinning around going, what? <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, back in the day, they would do set designs, specific sets, which they would make for the shows. Now, it's just the same stage they use for Raw, SmackDown, everything. They should bring back that. It's really boring at the moment, because it's just the screen, font, they don't even change the ring ropes. That's the thing, I find it so hard to learn the difference. I think partly because they're all very similar in many ways. Yeah. Visually, you can't just sort of... If you show me just a still from any random show you probably able to, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think I could other than reading the, the, the reading it or if I'd seen the match and I remembered it from and I don't want you to think as well that it's just like oh we had like you know certain themes for very outlandishly named pay-per-views there was even like very subtle elements that were always consistent like there was a show that used to happen after Wrestlemania called Backlash and their theme whatever it was was always just some sort of like sword or hook or thing like that and they would have variations on the set where it would have these big kind of claws that would be kind of moving in and out these like steel structures it was really cool like quite inventive yikes and for me it's easy because i grew up with this and i know the shows that have their identities and i probably most of it is even subconscious i would Mm. imagine whereas you it's going to be really hard it is really i can confirm it's really hard (laughs) and if you're a new fan as well i'm I'm guessing that this is probably the same i don't know maybe i'm just really bad at learning things like names i would imagine the more we watch classic matches for this 
uh, podcast for different wrestlers. I think mm. the more of those we watch at, at classic shows, maybe the more the identity might be apparent because as it stands with these ones, it just really it's really a, work. it's quite overwhelming. I think knowing there's like twelve like shows plus the weekly ones, it's just it's a lot to have to learn all in one go really and when like a third of them have no identity at all you know it's quite difficult and to be fair I haven't seen a lot of them as well like I've not seen I don't think any payback or fast payback of course taking place in May but a pay-per-view that follows that in June which has become one of my favourites every year and has probably been the closest that a new show has come to being a part of the big four and being an important part of the year and that is WWE Money in the Bank. Oh. A very, very important show that has strong branding, I would definitely say, strong visual elements, and a very, very strong story. Every year at this show, the Money in the Bank ladder match happens, which was a tradition that was set up back in 2004, I believe, hmm. where it's a ladder match where six to eight people all compete in it to climb up and grab the briefcase at the top. And what is inside that briefcase is a contract that says... Any time in the next calendar year, any place, you can have a championship match for the World Heavyweight Championship. I remember that was really such a confusing concept to me when I first started yeah. watching wrestling. Because I think it was Seth Rollins who Seth had, had it. Seth originally, yeah, yeah, when he was feuding with Dean. It was and just I didn't understand why he had this. I thought it was a briefcase full of money. <laughs> I mean, come on. He carries it around everywhere. It's gold. Golden and they briefcase. call it the money in the bank. I yeah. assumed that's what it was. It's cool because the phrase money in the bank obviously referring to like the, the fact that whoever cashes this in would usually do it with an unfair advantage in mind. Yeah. Obviously, in our How To Shield episode, we saw Seth trading in after Roman and Brock had beaten each other to death and then Seth slithered in with his briefcase and got himself a championship opportunity. Yeah. And that's kind of, was the whole idea of it was that it was the not, it was the not knowing of when it would be cashed in. The swerve. The swerve effect. Yeah. Most people would cash it in, you know, randomly, but there has been instances of someone being forthright and saying, I'm going to do it at this point. Huh. Uh, John Cena. Oh, of Rob course, Van John Cena. Well, John Cena, of course, he did it. He he graciously gave advance notice to CM Punk that he was going to challenge him for the belt. And he was one of the first, he was the first person to lose his Money in the Bank championship match as a result. Oh, wow. He, he put it up on the line and he, he cashed in unsuccessfully. John Cena, he had to defend his title against Rob Van Dam in that ECW match we watched. But that was because Rob said in advance that, hey, I'm an ECW guy, I wanted at the reunion show. So that's kind of was a cool thing because it wouldn't happen normally. Yeah. You know, that way. And Money in the Bank is really cool because it's like, you know, it's a nice running thread for the whole year. And it's probably been overdone, I guess. But I like the idea of some guy having the briefcase and not knowing when he's going to Yeah, I cash think it, it makes in. it more interesting. Yeah. We say that at the moment, Seamus has it. Oh, well, that's true. So maybe asterisks uh, beside the word interest. <laughs> well, I think if you've got an interesting character, yeah, you can't really go wrong with it, surely. But true. like, I think giving the money in the bank to just some random guy, yeah, maybe won't suddenly make them the most interesting of wrestlers. Yeah, money in the bank as well. I did mention strong branding has the kind of the briefcase logo that's on the the briefcase yeah. itself with the money in the bank, and of course having the very amazing money. Money, 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 money. So it has its own theme tune. Money, It does. It has its own theme tune. And not to keep bringing him up, that was Donald Trump's music when he came out in wrestling. He had his own music. Money, 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 Except if he came back now, it would be China, 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 China in the bank. 
After Money in the Bank, we've got uh, another pay-per-view, which is uh, one we watched rather recently, which is a very eventful show, just in terms of what happened on it, but as a monthly identity, not so much a battleground, very much fitting in again to the uh, the theme of just a name show, nothing necessarily specific happens at it. Oh, okay. So Battlegrounds was very good this year, but not known for... Which one was Battlegrounds? That was where we had Seth and Brock facing off with oh. The Undertaker returning. Right, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it was real fun. After that, we have SummerSlam, and SummerSlam is probably, some would say, the number two show in the year after WrestleMania, mainly because it happens kind of further into the calendar than that. Mm. In terms of what happens at SummerSlam, there's a kind of a prevailing theory that it's WrestleMania for the heels, in that usually if you're going to have a a big twist or kind of a shift in a paradigm shift or someone's going to turn heel or a bad guy's going to kind of be in control, it would usually happen around SummerSlam. Mm. And we've seen that quite a few times uh, happen throughout the years. Well, this year in SummerSlam, everything was just inconclusive. Yeah. Well, obviously, the reign of Jon Stewart began. Yeah. uh, If you are a patron backer, you get access to our amazing SummerSlam 2015 review, of course. (laughs) SummerSlam, I remember hating for many, many years, mainly because my brother hated it, and it just rubbed off of me by proxy. Um, Why did your brother hate it? Because I think SummerSlam 1999, during the Attitude Era, was like a bit of a flop. Oh, I see. And it was massively hyped up. And I think it just left a bad taste in our mouths and it spoiled SummerSlam for like 20 years. So what do you generally think of SummerSlam now then? Um, I generally enjoy it. I mean, but it's very hit and miss. SummerSlam, I would say, is one of the biggest shows where you kind of... Even though it's the number two show of the year, you're not guaranteed it's going to be a good one. Yeah. There have been years when it's been dull as fucking dishwater. And... There's obviously an idea that sometimes they're like, oh, it has to have a big, big match at it. And a lot of the times those big matches feel rather thrown together, Mm. you know. And I still think SummerSlam, though, they seem intent on making it to be a big yearly event now. If you notice this year, they were doing things like the NXT taping there. And they had it was like a whole week of events. So they're trying to make it like WrestleMania 2 in that people will come to a city for a week to see SummerSlam and all the other events that are surrounding it. The biggest party of the summer usually closes out in August. I always hated SummerSlam because it reminded me that it was time to go back to school. That could also have been a reason why it was like, last weekend in summer is not a fun time when you're a teenager. So maybe that was one of the reasons why I hated it. You know your mum's going to take you out shopping for new school shoes on the the Monday. I can't focus on Jesse Ventura refereeing. I've got stupid itchy school pants on. (laughs) (laughs) After SummerSlam, we've got another pay-per-view that has a good identity and a pretty strong gimmick. It's called Night of Champions. I don't think I've heard of this one. It's the one which, because uh, it's September at the moment, so it's one they're building up to next. Hmm. Night of Champions has got a very simple premise, which is every championship has to be defended. So, you know, everyone, there's like the World Championship and the Intercontinental, the United States, Tag Belts. And the Divas? The Divas Championship. So... Those five matches have to take place on hmm. that night. Usually, most of the belts get defended on pay-per-view, but this is the one night of the year they make sure it definitely, definitely happens. There was a bit of a problem with this, though, back when we had more than one brand. You had to have, like, ten championship matches. The two world belts, the two tag belts, the two women's matches. Fucking hell. You know, at a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> so, 
I'm enjoying this pay-per-view a lot more now that there can be other matches on the show other than title ones. Oh, I look forward to watching it this month. And I'm guessing we'll be offering that as well as a yes. Patreon these will be all be reviewed for 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 Patreon, obviously. So yeah. maybe as we're going through them and reviewing these we these monthly shows, maybe their identities will spring out to you a little bit. I more. hope so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to my first ever Night of Champions. After Night of Champions in October, we have a pay per view that is a obviously on paper seems like a very strong concept, but is one that really a lot of long term fans massively disagree with, and that is WWE Hell in a Cell. Now, this was something you were talking to me about not that long ago. I didn't realise it was a pay-per-view. Yeah, well, it was originally just a match. Because the only Hell in a Cell matches I've watched are the famous one with Mick Foley versus The Undertaker. Yes. And then Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins. Yes. Where, again, they climb on top of the cage. (laughs) You think that that's just what happens in cell matches as people climb them up? You're telling me it isn't? (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) Dean and Seth climbing up. We waited 15 years for that shit. But Mick Foley was there and everything. Yeah. Surely it was all... Uh... Mick Foley was there warning everyone not to do it for another 15 years or the curse would follow them. As far as I'm concerned, Mick Foley lives in that cage or on top of the cage. <laughs> and that's what happens in Hell in a Cell is Mick Foley is there and you climb on the cell and you fall in. Mick, dangerous precedent Foley, as he's known amongst yeah. circles here. But... The issue I have with Hell in the Cell is that obviously the two ones which which you've seen are good examples of when a Hell in the Cell match is necessary. As we mentioned before, it's the cell structure, so it's the big cage with the roof on top, really dangerous. Mick Foley, you know, his career ended there, all this crazy stuff. It's meant to be the most sadistic match in all of wrestling. And hang on, so this was started when was the first Hell in the Cell? Nineteen ninety seven was the first Hell in the Cell match. Okay, right. So there really weren't that many of them. No, I mean, between 97 and 2005, there was maybe Hell in a Cell matches on pay-per-view. They did a couple of other little bits to kind of promote it on the show, but when when someone said Hell in a Cell, that was like a an oh-shit moment. Hmm. As in, I remember when Triple H and Cactus Jack was like, it's going to be a Hell in a Cell. We all like stood up and we're like... Because <gasps> it had been the first one in forever. Like, <gasps> Can't do that. Does Vince know? Have you permission? You know, and it, but now it's like, I'm going to see you hell in a cell. Well, obviously you are because it's October. That's when we have them now. So how many matches are there in one hell in a cell? One year they did, I think, three. And the last two years there's only been the one. But Wait, so it's how, how long are the shows? Oh, um, three hours long still. So. so what, they have a three hour long match? Oh, no, 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 no. There's other matches that happen on these shows. Oh, I see. Likewise with, um, you know, with uh, Money in the Bank and with Night of Champions, there'll be other matches that are happening on the show, not oh, just the title matches and the ladder matches. So yeah, stuff does happen as normal, but the prevailing theme is still meant to be okay. Hell in a Cell. So Hell in a Cell, currently we only seem to have one per show and that's the way I like it. But there was years where there was two or three. Yeah, I can't imagine that would be particularly interesting. And it's, you know, when it it's not a blood feud, and when the reason we're in a hell in the cell is because it is scheduled and not because our feud has come to the point where a cage with a roof is the only way to settle it. <laughs> you know, that's how it yeah. should be. Not, 
Our opening contest tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is a Hell in a Cell match. Let's get them on down here, folks. Hey! Well, we've got the cage set up. I mean, we may as well go in there. Guys coming out. Uh, we warmed up the crowd, lads, with a Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> the match that warped me as a child and scarred me for years to come has warmed up the crowd tonight in Fresno, <laughs> folks. They're a hot one. They like their Hell in a Cell matches. I hate it. Okay. I hate the fact that they just throw them away like that. Yeah. Well, like, if you're going to do one... I see the value in their theory might be this. It's that some lapsed fan maybe will be kind of scrolling and they'll see the ad saying hell in a cell. And that just might make them go, Oh, that's that really dangerous match. Isn't it? <laughs> Legitimately. That's, that's their rationale oh, for it. That someone will look at that and probably go, I remember when Mick Foley fell off the helm to sail and fucking buy a network subscription for the month or get the free month at least to see the show. Yeah. Because Helm the Sail does have name value, I guess. Right. But I don't know, for you, I mean, because you've seen two crazy Helm the Sail matches, does that name kind of make you excited or...? Um, it certainly did, but now I know how many sort of mediocre Helm the Sail matches there are. It doesn't really... I really want to show you a really mediocre yeah. NSL match. Like, I, I, I like the idea of doing how-to how match types, like yeah. spe have specific episodes dedicated to just one match type. Cool. And if we do how-to Hell in the Cell, I definitely want to see, you know, us watch Randy Orton and John Cena in Hell in the Cell. No, do we have to? fucking boring it is. Uh. <laughs> really tedious trash. After that, it's another one of our big four... It's the Thanksgiving tradition, and it was one of Vince McMahon's uh, earliest pay-per-view concepts, which is the Survivor Series. His theory was was that let's do a big show as a Thanksgiving tradition. People are all home for Thanksgiving. There's a big family atmosphere. Surely they want to watch a wrestling pay-per-view. Now, some would say, and possibly me included, that the other reason he had for that was that his main competition, WCW, their version of WrestleMania happened in November. Oh. And maybe or maybe not Vince McMahon threatened to pull all WWF programming from certain pay-per-view carriers if they didn't let him run his show directly in competition to oh that pay-per-view. And so it has a little bit of a dark and gritty origin, this show. It was really kind of a fuck you to the competition and them flexing their muscles more than anything else. Huh. Have you heard of Survivor Series before? I'm pretty sure I've heard of Survivor Series. Um, is that one that you've covered in the Attitude Era podcast? We've had, definitely we've had Survivor Series in the Attitude Era podcast. That's the one where Steve Austin got ran yes, down. Yes, and the artwork is The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's so, where I know that from. <laughs> Survivor Series, every year they take the top guy in the company and they just run him over uh, in a car. No, <laughs> they don't. It's a tradition. <laughs> but I don't want to be run over, Vince. God damn it, Steve. It's tradition. Come on. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving, it's Thanksgiving, Steve. Thanksgiving, God damn it. Now, where's the keys for the goddamn sedan? <laughs> Survivor Series has got quite a number of traditions going for it. Survivor Series, first of all, is a match type. A Survivor Series match is when you have two teams of five facing each other off in, like, an elimination match. Okay. So as soon as you get pinned, you have to go back to the locker room, and so the team diminishes. The last guy is surviving. Their team wins. Right. And do you tag people yeah, in? Yeah, you tag people in. And that's really cool because there's so many stories you can tell in that. The most fun story, obviously, being the kind of, you know, it's one on four. How is this guy going to win the match? Oh, like, yeah. 
there was a great one one year where it was Ric Flair and like four retired legends like Dusty Rhodes and Sergeant Slaughter. They're all and Roddy Piper. All these old men and they're taking a ring full of old men. Ring full of old men. The team they were taking on was these young male cheerleaders called the Spirit Squad. Uh-huh. And all of Ric Flair's team got eliminated, so it was one old man against four twenty year old punks. <laughs> and Flair went the distance. Because that's the story was like, how can this old crafty veteran take on these four young hungry kids and he managed to win. So you can always do a real cool story wow, there. Yeah. Where a guy overcomes the odds or something like that and Survivor Series matches are good, but I don't think Vince McMahon likes tag team matches or multi-man matches that much. Yeah, I imagine like with the New Day and the primetime players and everything, it's something that could be explored more. Yeah, I mean, you could like lump together tag teams and do it, but the problem with it is that if you are building towards a big show, and the thing that sells the most tickets, it's just always been proven, is it's like two people in a feud. It's like, Joe Graham, this Sunday... You and I are going to be in the ring, and one man or woman is going to come out standing. See you there on Sunday. If you don't see this pay-per-view, the world will end. You know? Okay. Now, that's a lot more, I've got to see it, than Joe Graham, this Sunday, you and I and four partners of our choosing will be in the ring. And it may come down to you and me, or it may come down to any permutation of the five people on each of our teams. Either way, it's going to be a great show. Make sure you (laughs) tune in. If you don't see it, I'm sure someone will tell you about it. Or tomorrow, okay, bye. You know, <laughs> that's not, you know, I think maybe it doesn't jump out as much. Yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of really talented tag team wrestling going on at the moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like the idea as well. You can you can do, like we've seen things as well. Where we've got, you know, strange bedfellow type tag partners where guys yeah. who don't get along have to maybe work it together in a team. And it can be quite good. But Vince McMahon does not like this show anymore. Okay, I'm surprised it still exists considering he's In 2011 in like a conference call he was like yeah I'm basically going to get rid of it. People were fucking outraged because it's it's a tradition. How dare you? And he just doesn't see it as that. And even though it's still called the big, one of the big four and it's so important, Survivor Series is one of if not the most passable supposed big show of the year. I've not seen a Survivor Series that I've had to have seen in, like, six years, I would say. So do they tend to just put random guys together? They'll be More like, here's Randy Orton, here's Ryback, here's Big Show. They're all playing together. Like, Randy and- is feuding with Sheamus, Miz is feuding with Big Show, you know, Dolph Ziggler is feuding at Rusev, so it's Rusev, Big Show, and, you know, it's you see, just... that just seems, like, completely the wrong way to book it. Yeah, that just seems like that's what you would expect to see on a regular Raw. Well, like, you know? I'm, maybe I'm making a massive assumption here, but I would have thought being able to wrestle doesn't necessarily mean you can tag team. Yeah, true. I think that probably requires different skills. Yeah, yeah. More cooperation, maybe? Yeah, exactly. I think they, I like the idea of them kind of doing it where maybe it's like a team that functions well together yeah. taking on a group of guys who maybe don't function so well together. But That would be awesome. Yeah, instead what we usually get is a regular pay-per-view, a really normal regular show where there will be one or two Survivor Series matches thrown in just because... And the most tragic thing, which I hope we're not going to see this year, uh, because we see it every year, fucking absolutely diabolical, where Vince McMahon, or whoever it is in charge, insists on putting on a Divas Survivor Series match, but still only giving them five minutes. Now, think about this, Joe. If there are ten people in the Survivor Series match, unless you're going to do a complete whitewash, you have to have a minimum of five pinfalls like five times where it has to be one, two, three, or you tapped out, or you're gone. Five times 
in five minutes. It's no fucking wonder people are so goddamn harsh on the Divas and say they can't wrestle. There was years where literally the entire match was like, and then Crystal runs in and she gets hit. One, two, three. Crystal's gone. Now Tori is in and Tori does a move. One, two, three. Now Tori is gone. And like, why? They would just come in, take a move, lose. There was one year where like a lady literally came in and did a dance and then pinned her opponent as one, two, three. You lose. Awful. That's so shocking. I was watching, um, watching a match the other day. I can't remember which one it was. It was quite fairly recent. It was like the Bella Twins versus someone. And um, it was supposed to be one of their longer matches before the Divas Revolution. Yeah. And uh, they were like, oh, yeah, this one's quite a long match. It's like six minutes. I was watching it. Six minutes? The first... Yeah, exactly. I was outraged that it was even supposed to be six minutes and that was long. The first three minutes were their entrances. The match was only three minutes. Fuck's sake, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. When you say, like, they've got ten minutes, it means ten minutes minus entrances minus... They shouldn't be allowed to count the entrances. Oh, no, definitely not. It's from bell to bell is what it should be, you know? (laughs) So yeah, Survivor Series does suffer on that front. There is one kind of historic thing, and I won't get into it too much now, because it deserves um, much closer scrutiny later on down the line, I think, in this show. But the Survivor Series screw jobs, which have been kind of, uh, it's become a, something of a notorious thing. In 1997, there was a very famous incident at the Survivor Series where a wrestler who was leaving the company thought he was the, a match was going to end one way, Except Vince McMahon, IRL, made the decision be reversed and happen in a different manner. So he basically screwed the guy. Like he said, you're going to win the match or the match is going to end this way. And then he made it look like the guy gave up and rang the bell and gave the other guy the belt and everyone ran away. How did he make it look like the other guy gave up? Uh, He literally told the the referee to ring the bell immediately and ring the fucking bell. Right now, ring it, goddamn. Oh my god. So, and that was something that happened in real life. As as I said, we'll get into it much more later on. It's a huge, huge thing in wrestling. But as a result of that, Survivor Series kind of became synonymous with the screw job. Because Vince McMahon IRL screwed someone in 1997. And so many years that followed on, Vince McMahon, the character, would screw someone or something screwy would happen. Even though he hates this show. Even though he hates... Maybe that could be one of the reasons why Vince McMahon hates the show. Maybe he hates Too the show and memories. so he screws it all up. He's like, meh, king down sandcastles. You know what? I, I would actually say probably Vince McMahon, he did get punched squarely in the face by the and spat in the face by the wrestler he screwed over at the end of the screw job. So maybe that might have something to do with him trying to... <laughs> yeah. That's Bad right. Memories. <laughs> That's right, folks. Those shitty-ass Diva Survivor Series matches are just a wraparound way of Vince McMahon... Dealing through his personal bullshit and angst about Survivor Series 1997. We, f- <laughs> we figured it out. Easy peasy. Last show of the year and a, fu- a fun, fun, fun show. Uh, a show that's always got thrills and spills and chills. TLC. Tables, Ladders and Chairs. Now, weren't you saying this was invented by Mick Foley? This show was named after a match type, and that match was Tables and Ladders and Chairs. Okay. And it was originally invented in 2000 by Mick Foley's character at the time, who was running things, because there were three tag teams, Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys, and the Hardy Boys. And the Dudley Boys put everyone through tables, Edge and Christian hit everyone in the face with chairs, and the Hardy Boys would always jump off ladders. Huh. And Mick Foley was like, there's only one way to settle this. We have to have a match where there are tables and ladders and chairs. Oh my. Tables and ladders and chairs. Oh my. Tables and ladders and chairs. Oh my. You know, 
Foley, the Closet Wizard of Oz fan that he is, uh, coined that. and That's fantastic. Fantastic. That's so cool. And a tables, ladders and chairs, or TLC match uh, for short, basically is just a regular ladder match where you have to climb up and grab something, except there are chairs involved and also tables now are the tables and chairs underneath the ring or are they out and about they're usually like lined up alongside the ring in big stacks and piles the 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 use of (laughs) the use of tables ladders and chairs isn't only encouraged joe it's allowed (laughs) it's quite a fun match generally but at this tlc pay-per-view which again when they were giving gimmick shows tlc was one of the first ones because it was such a popular match type that they thought fuck it let's give it its own pay-per-view that seems like it i mean out of all the ones we've kind of gone over with silly gimmicks and stuff like hell in a cell which i don't really understand why that has its own pay-per-view yeah this one does seem to make sense because you don't just get the tlc matches what's great about this is there'll be one tlc match then there'll be a tables match where you have to put someone through a table to win then there'll be a regular ladder match which will just involve the ladder which will involve you know usually more athletic guys trying to win and then you'll usually get what's known as a chairs match and even though I've watched around four of them I still don't know what that is right Do you have to hit someone with a chair? There's just chairs around. Okay, that seems what it is. Chairs. But a big shout out to my main man, Paddy Costello, back home in Ireland, who came up with the definitive concept for the chairs match. When we first saw this was going to happen, when we, we were in Glasgow, and it's like the advertisement was, and don't forget, the chairs match. <laughs> and they didn't tell us what it was. Paddy's theory was that it was like a ladder match, except it was, re- it was way lower down the belt. <laughs> And it was akin to unscrewing a light bulb. You had to stand on a wobbly chair and just gently unhook it. And you would put the least nimble wrestlers on the roster, like Mark Henry in the big show. would be like, oh shit, man. I may fall over. I won't be able to get back up. Oh, so put me right back. Pull my ass. <laughs> so TLC, definitely a fun one and a very memorable show to, to close out the year. So those are the 12 main pay-per-views. And there are, main, there are pay-per-views which have... Names have long been since forgotten and abandoned, which may very well be brought back. Who knows? But those are the ones we have at the moment. And it seems like that's good. they're not going to change around a whole ton, I don't think. The only one they got rid of recently, which was kind of shocking, was a one called the Elimination Chamber. Mm. I don't know if you ever heard of an Elimination yeah, Chamber. I don't know what it is, but I've heard of it. Yeah, I think the Wyatts wrestled the Shield at that pay-per-view. Ah, it could wasn't be why in, I've heard of it. Yeah, an Elimination Chamber match is a... It's like a giant steel dome, basically. Right. And the guys are held in the little glass pods. Oh, I've seen one of this. Yeah, yeah. you've seen one of the New Day, maybe, yes. I think. Yeah. yeah. And the guys are held in the different pods. It was really weird. Yeah. Usually what they would do is that was on before WrestleMania, and they would defend the two belts... Okay. So it would be kind of like, this is just to decide definitely who's the champion before WrestleMania. But it's a weird show because the fucking, the chamber itself takes up a huge amount of space. Mm. And it's not very fun for the fans there, I think, in terms of they can't really see everything yeah. that clearly. But it's not listed this year. But obviously, that doesn't mean that it's never coming back. Mm. But shows get dropped all the time and picked up all the time. You know, King of the Ring is one which was big when I was... Uh, watching as a fan as a kid it was like a tournament that we did they would do every year that was taken away and then brought did the back. winner get to be king yes that's why king barrett gets to be king because he won it this oh, he year won it. so yeah. what they don't got that anymore it then? wasn't a pay-per-view it was just a random network special but he just gets to keep the king, the king crown yeah the kingship 
just indefinitely until they bring it back. <laughs> I guess so, until they decide to bring it back again. It's, it's, it's a weird one. But it's funny, I say now pay-per-views, and that just sounds so dated, when we say because of the network. Yeah. And, you know, we're just as excited now about not only these so-called pay-per-views, but as big an event for us is when NXT has got a special on. Yeah. Or when they say did the the t- to Tokyo show that they did. Oh, the Beast in the East. Yeah. yeah. And these aren't pay-per-views. These are just, you know, network special events. But at what point are they going to stop being pay-per-views and all it's just being... It's so confusing. It is in a flux at the moment. Because I just... I'm always really worried I'm going to say that something's a pay-per-view and it's not... I'm going to feel like a right idiot, even though I I know it's really hard to remember which are pay-per-views and which are not without having yeah. a list or just knowing it. Yeah, it is quite... It's quite hard. There's a lot of things working against you there. And, you know, one, the the sets and the stages just not having their own identity for the most part. Yeah. Uh, two, the fact that they just switched them around willy-nilly. Yeah. You know, Extreme Rules used to be summer, now it's April, you know, whatever. That's how they do it. Some of the named shows are just so throwaway. I mean, Fast Lane and Payback. Yeah. The, I mean, I honestly, which one is the one that Randy Orton doing the hand? I'm thinking now that's <laughs> Could even, be both. That's over the limit, I think. That's a different oh one God, altogether. Oh my God, there's another one? <laughs> another randomly named one that they don't do anymore. So there's, there's a lot working against you trying to remember these. Yeah. But if you can know the big four, you'll be fine. Because I think the only other two that are really important, or three that are really important, are TLC, Extreme Rules, and Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank. Yeah. And those all have very strong... Concepts. Yeah, I think I'd so, remember those ones. You know, you've got seven out of twelve there. You know, so you've got most of the important ones that way. And I think I might remember Payback and Fastlane just because of how ridiculous they are, yeah. and because now I've got Randy Orton catching a clock in my mind. You know, when I was like fourteen years old, and if I went into a coma and woke up, I would be like, "What pay per view was on this month?" <laughs> and I would have used that to validate my whereabouts <laughs> and the quality of the wrestling that was available at the time in the hospital. But now I'm not sure that maybe I should have to go back to calendars. <laughs> I got to go back to shoot months instead of uh, yeah. what I was doing. Has that made things a little bit clearer for you, Joe? No, definitely. Although it's so awkward the fact that some of them don't have gimmicks. Yeah, that, that's not going to help really. You know what? I think though, it's not. Maybe it's not entirely without purpose that the least memorable shows have got the least memorable names. Yeah. You know, maybe we're. Where, those are going to be the months where the paper where it's free to get a month of the network I would reckon at know? least now I understand that things like Money in the Bank which I always thought was just a one-off match that's a yearly thing yeah. yeah I thought that was like a like one-off thing that maybe happened at Wrestlemania or yeah. a random show hmm. the fact that it has its own dedicated show to it yeah that makes things a bit easier to understand and the hell in a cell thing which is just ridiculous and I would definitely say if you're someone who's maybe sitting on the fence about like you're watching bits of wrestling here and there but you don't know when's a good time to start watching. A real good starting point, if you want to be kind of as close as you can get to a level playing field and be on board with the same storyline, is watch the Royal Rumble. Because okay. you watch the Royal Rumble, then follow it through to WrestleMania. You've got like the scene set for the year, more or less. And you can really follow it on from there. That's the best chance that you probably will have, I would say. If you do want to watch it month to month and follow the shows and follow the, the weekly Raws, and you're looking for a, a good time, I would say... 
the Royal Rumble or even WrestleMania itself. Mm. You know, that's always a good one as well. So Yeah, from what I've seen, it doesn't look like SummerSlam's a particularly good place to start. <laughs> no, I would say winter and summer aren't like new fan times. It's yeah. definitely a new year and uh, a spring type of thing, I would say. But that's yeah. just that's just my that's just my my guidance I would say on that. That's not necessarily a rule or a, or a definite by any stretch of the imagination. So, feeling a little bit happier about pay-per-view names? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'm going to get SummerSlam and SmackDown mixed up again now. No, you're hopefully. not. If you've already done it once, yeah. right? you do it. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me three times, podcast cancelled. <laughs> All right? All done. Finished. I've been warned. <laughs> It'll just be me explaining things to myself, you know? <laughs> well done, Kevin. You knew that thing. I mm. already know that. I already seen that wrestling. Mm, did you know? you know this thing about this wrestler? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much for listening to this little bonus episode of How To Wrestling. And uh, make sure you are following us on Twitter at HowToWrestling and keeping an eye out for the latest episodes where you can tweet in, let us know your thoughts and opinions on whatever the wrestler du jour is. Yeah. And also as well, Facebook.com forward slash HowToWrestling. Give us a like, leave us a post, a comment, send us a message, whatever you got to do. Comment threads for all previous episodes, they're all up there if you want to check out the artwork for our previous shows or maybe even drop us a little piece of fan art. I'm going to say it right now. But uh, not received any fan art yet, and I think now's about the time that it should start coming in, okay? Even if it is a giant plain text image of Jesus with a little stick figure Joe <laughs> in the corner, I think that is necessary to happen at this I point. I want fan art of me looking like Seth Rollins, please. <laughs> I'm surprised there hasn't been any, like, uh, romantic fan art of the two of us kissing or something. Yeah, that's, that's a bit... That's about too far? Too far, man. It's happened for c- cinema swirl. Yeah, I know, right? Seriously. <laughs> People obviously don't take us seriously as We're a, as not a as couple. We're not as good a couple. Like, you and Sam. <laughs> and don't forget, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Find us on SoundCloud. If you enjoy our episodes, leave a rating or a review. We appreciate that hugely. Yes, all the ratings and reviews left there so far have, have brought tears to our hearts and now we've had to go to a cardiac specialist as a result. Thanks a lot for that. And if you want to support How To Wrestling, give back to us, help us in the endeavours that is teaching people and fans about the world of professional wrestling, patreon.com forward slash How To Wrestling. Become our patron and support our good works. You can pledge everything from a dollar to infinite dollars. If you decide to pledge a dollar, you get access to Joe's show notes and all the research that goes into making an episode. Although I've heard it exposes the business. It does expose the business, but it exposes the podcasting business more than the wrestling mm-hmm. business. So it's kind of, it's, it's equal. It's revealed uh, that we have notes on things. Yeah, who'd have thought, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and if you pledge five dollars or more, you get access to our pay-per-view reviews and we'll be doing one of those every single month last one was SummerSlam upcoming Night of Champions to see what Joe thinks of her favourite wrestler Seth Rollins taking on her least favourite older wrestler Sting oh yeah that's <laughs> happening if you pledge $5 you'll get access to our exclusive review when that goes up for $5 patrons up there $10 access to the monthly Q&A and if you are incredibly just have to steer the ship that is how to wrestling $50 patrons can support and select an episode that you need us to cover in the not-too-distant future. 
Those of you wondering where the likes of How To Young Bucks has come from, it's not from me suddenly becoming incredibly in touch with the internet wrestling community. It's a fan who suggested it from a $50 patron, and I can't wait to do it. Yeah, so, it's going to be really exciting. If you really want to support us, help us out, patreon.com slash howtowrestling, and thank you everyone who's supported so far. We've had some really incredible requests from the uh, $50 backers, actually. We've got some really exciting episodes coming no up. No spoilers, but it's no going spoilers. to get really, really, really funny. Really, I quickly. know so many people are going <laughs> to wait for it mark out uh, is that yeah, yeah that's correct yeah when they hear what has been requested yeah it's not the person's the episode is not from someone named mark that's not why she said it it was using the wrestling terminology yeah okay, she's using it right okay it's yay correct. well that's gonna do it for this episode of how to wrestling i hope you know a little bit more about the pay-per-view names the weekly shows and some of the maybe the background of pay-per-views and why we're in a confusing situation at the moment with the network but uh it's been a goodbye for me kevin and a Goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll catch you next time on How to Wrestling. See ya. Okay. Yes. All good. Yes.